Hey, everybody. With the Consumer Technology Association, I'm Tyler Suters. We are the owners and producers of CES, the largest and the most influential tech event on the planet. Of course, CES is underway right now as we speak in Las Vegas. And our show runs through Friday, January 11th here. And we are helping you to be CES ready by bringing you each day this week a fresh media roundtable. These are our conversations, something of an annual tradition for us here at CES, with journalists who are covering CES 2019 and, in a number of cases, have covered the show for years and years. And the general topic here in these conversations, how CES is framing the year ahead in technology, the innovations we'll see, the trends we expect throughout the tech sector. So today, from the show floor at CES 2019, Media Roundtable, day three, here in Las Vegas. Producers of CES, and you are attending the largest, the most influential tech event on the planet, and we're very glad you're here. Today, some insight for you from media experts, the reporters, the editors, the tech insiders who are covering 2019's show, but also many CES shows in the past. So we're going to talk about what they've seen that's caught their eye, the innovative platform technologies that they see really changing the game, and what's ahead in their minds in terms of the big hits for 2019 and beyond. So, introducing our panelists in order. First is Data Woman, who is Editor-in-Chief with Engadget. Next, Nick Moki, who is Managing Editor as well. <clears throat> Matt Swider is Senior Editor with Tech Radar, And Dean Takahashi is longtime veteran correspondent with VentureBeat. Everybody, welcome. Thank you for... Oh, these are very plush seats. I think I sank down several inches there. Um, thanks for the time. Glad you're here. Everybody, get comfortable. It's a real casual conversation, and I'm going to back myself out of it as much as possible. Um, Dean, we'll give you the honors to start since you were batting cleanup on walking on stage. What has caught your eye so far? One thing, ten things? Tell us. Yeah, mic on? Yeah, Okay. I tried out the uh, Procter & Gamble um, uh, Opte product, uh, which uh, scans your skin and then looks for the blemishes and finds them, and then basically spray paints or inkjet uh, prints a bunch of uh, uh, treatment onto the skin and hides your blemishes. And um, this can last for a whole day. And it actually worked. I mean, I've got a pretty big dark spot on my face here. And when they scanned over it, uh, it disappeared. Um, so that was pretty cool. Excellent. Uh, Matt, what about you? What's caught your eye? Well, I think that's really neat. Uh, I did something similar. It tried to age me by 20 years. <laughs> it either doesn't work well with beards or I look exactly the same. Yeah. So I hit the jackpot there. Yeah, well, uh, what a curse you have to bear. Oh, You're yes. unageable. I, I, I'm kind of loving it. I, I think I, you know, I'm going to tout that around the office and be like, this is what I look like in 20 years. Huh. Um, but the, the thing I really liked is, you know, I, I go around to some of the smaller booths and see who um, is looking to catch the eye of Apple or Google or a big company. And I found one gem that was a, uh, a smart, not a, um, not a smoke detector, but a fire detector. So it detects temperature. And you're really, I didn't know this, not supposed to put a smoke alarm near a washer and dryer and things that actually catch fire because they would, they would melt and you wouldn't hear the tone. Mm -hmm. Well, this person has developed um, a, a fire alarm that 
you put it near a washer and dryer, you put it near something that's going to burn up uh, a Christmas tree, mm -hmm. and it you know transponds that signal to another speaker. Mm -hmm. And it's a small company, but you know the the CEO told me, hey, he's willing to cut a you know if. Apple or Google cuts a check to him, you know, he's willing to sell and he owns the patents. And I was like, wow, this is like a really great find. And it could save your life because, you know, you put it near the baby's crib or you put it near a tree. They even have a tree ornament, you know, and if, and if that thing catches fire, uh, it still sounds an alarm somewhere else. So mm -hmm. I, I found that to be really neat. That was like, you know, the big highlight of my show. So Nick, first an apology, I forgot to mention Nick is managing editor with Digital Trends. Uh, sorry, I, I skipped right over that. I well, don't right. know why. Apologies. Nick, um, what about you? What are you uh, excited about that you've seen this year? Uh, I am a total sucker for the car stuff. So I spent a lot of time uh, in North Hall this year. Um, I think one of the big trends that I saw that's a lot of fun is um, everybody has, everybody's in love with the idea of like the self-driving like living room. Everybody's building these cube cars or concepts of cube cars mm -hmm. where, you know, you're seated in like a lounge-like arrangement and there's like screens in there. Um, a couple of different ones. It's interesting because all the designers are going kind of crazy with the idea of mm -hmm. when you take the steering wheel out of the car, what else can you do with it? And everybody's trying to set their own version of it apart with something different. Kia is trying to read your emotions when you sit down and adjust the mood in the car to suit whether you're stressed or relaxed or you know whatever the case may be. Um, but I think in terms of in that hall, in in terms of sheer awe factor, the the Bell Nexus, the uh, oh. No, uh, the ro robot taxi, flying taxi. Yeah. Uh, that it's bigger in person than you think it's going to be. I'm sorry. It's bigger in person than you think it, it's going to be. It absolutely is, and I don't know if you saw it when they demonstrate the rotors tilting, um, but it's really amazing. Like the, the scale of that thing to even see that in the CES hall is really impressive. I agree. I, the, the 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 nature of it, the size of it, the optics of it are fairly stunning. Uh, Dana, thank you for your patience. Yeah. Your turn, please. So I actually also had a vehicle of sorts in mind. Um, one of the things that's really stuck with me throughout the show is that Hyundai first responder concept. The Elevate. Yeah, yes. I call it the grasshopper. With there are those four tall legs where it can go, in theory, where cars can't go. And I don't want to get too breathless just because um, it, there aren't, it isn't a working concept right now, so we haven't seen it in action. But at a big show like this where we're here for so long and seeing so many things, I just really love being surprised even if what we're seeing is so far in the future and it's not even working yet, um, I just really love being surprised at the show. Uh, what struck me about that, perhaps not in the animated demo, but in the small-scale demo that Hyundai did, is that I've seen this technology before, and it was in The Empire Strikes Back in 1980, right? It's the AT-AT walker, right? It, but it, it, it strikes a chord that what was so fantastical and, and beyond our reach only 40 years ago is now close to reality. So. We went in, in general categories. Dean, you were digital health to some degree with your product. Uh, Matt, you were in the smart home. Smart home, yeah. Right, connectivity sector. Mm -hmm. um, Nick, self-driving vehicles to some, to some degree. And it sounds like you're a bit there as well on self-driving. So these are just large scale. But let's continue on that theme and I'll start with you now, Dana. What is the one platform technology that you see is standing out this year? Um, I think definitely Apple stealing the show um, and sort of becoming the unofficial star of the show without actually having an official presence here. I mean, I kind of had a slight hint of it ahead of the show, but I didn't know the extent of it. Just uh, how many TVs would have iTunes and how many devices and TVs would have HomeKit. 
Um, so that has been a surprise to me, just to see, feel Apple's presence at this particular show. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, how much of that is around the conversation that Apple started with privacy and security in general? Oh, how much of Apple's presence? Mm -hmm. Certainly that kicked it off, right, with the ad. Right. And now I think the conversa conversation has shifted to their upcoming, presumably, streaming service and mm -hmm. how many people they're trying to reach yeah. through various devices. Okay. Nick, platform technology? Yeah, in terms of a platform technology, I think I would actually keep it in the automotive space and go with cellular vehicle to everything or V2X uh, technology, which I know is a really geeky choice. Uh, but one of the things that I, uh, one of the reasons that I would pick that is that Ford made a big announcement this year that they're going to build that technology into every car that they build by 2022. So this is something that for a long time, so to, to back up for a second, cellular vehicle to everything is a technology that allows cars to not only talk to other cars, but also talk to highway infrastructure. So your car can talk to a pedestrian crossing or can talk to a stoplight. Um, this is something that's been very sci-fi for a long time. There's been a lot of like battles over uh, which standard to back. And I think this year, cellular vehicle to everything really popped out. We have a big commitment from a major automaker that that's going to be rolling out by 2022. And that's really important for that technology because it's not worth anything if there aren't enough cars on the road to talk to, right? And right. Ford is committing to every single model, not just its premium models by mm -hmm. 2022. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see in the year ahead more automakers also backing the same the same mm -hmm. standard, and you know within a few years here there'll actually be something that we can buy. So Nick, quick follow up question: Does that then mean that 5G is an inter integral platform tech to enable V to X and V to V? It, it'll certainly help things with the V to X, but the interesting part is I don't think that that technology needs to wait on 5G. Wow. Because um, okay. they actually have you know demos of this working today. It is cellular technology, but it doesn't require 5G. 5G would enhance it, but it's not a prerequisite. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think that's exciting because the 5G rollout will take a while, and so uh, you know as we're waiting for that, I'd hate to see this technology hung up waiting <laughs> for all of the, the 5G towers and whatnot. Right, right, fair point. Um, Matt, what do you say? Platform technology or a theme this year? Mm -hmm. I'm going to rival Dana's choice and say Google and Google Assistant. Okay. Also the, important here at the show. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, they had probably the best booth as well. Um, and, and they actually have, for anybody who's not here, a Disney-esque ride. It's a mix between uh, Carousel of Progress and It's a Small World. And it's not a thrill ride, but it takes you through. And it's, it's very self-deprecating. They know what they're doing. They, they're aware of, of how humorous this could be. Um, and, you know, it really explores the update to Google Assistant, their, their AI platform. And, you know, the fact that it has auto punctuation is going to make your life a little bit easier. Um, it, it was explained to me that it has a bias. So if you are looking up um, something about the Cherry River, which I didn't know what that was until it was explained to me, and you look up something else about it as well, it's going to know not to spell it like cherry, like, like the fruit. So I thought that was uh, really interesting how it's incorporating something you know, that, that you've, you've typed in before, even if it's, if it's a while ago, um, and, and it's going to learn what you need to, to, to um, you know, what you want to know in the future. Also, the other aspect that just is going to break ground, and I feel like it's going to shrink the earth a little bit, is uh, the real-time translation. When you're visiting a foreign country and you don't know, you know the language, uh, it can be very intimidating. So, and, and we do that to, to travel a lot, to see tech, and we're, we're in you know, either China or Europe, and if you don't speak the language, you know, this could really change things for, for the entire world. Um, so, and, and it worked pretty well. It didn't, it didn't understand my very broken Spanish, 
but that, that, fair enough. It could be user error, possibly. Yeah, yeah, it, it, and that's how it was explained to me that since I'm not a native speaker, it's really meant for native speakers yeah. who are not trying to fake their way through the language. How um, many of those did you find? Like there, I saw at least one. How many universal translator sort of thing? That so that was the one that I checked out. It was the Google Assistant, and it's currently they don't have a timeline for smartphones. It's, that's when I think it really takes off. But they have it for uh, the Google Home Hub and all the Google Home products, right. all the speakers out there. So you, you know, if you go to a concierge desk and you you're looking to check in and you say "Donde está el baño," uh, which is "Where is the bathroom," uh, and you you're in a rush, um, it'll translate that to the person and they can speak uh, English to you and, and you, yeah. you can learn it. That's the one bit of Spanish that I remember from <laughs> high school. My my teacher, my seventh grade teacher, told me not to forget that one. I, I succeeded, but um, it couldn't understand it in, in my context. That's a pretty utilitarian phrase, in effect. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the one I know in all languages. So, <laughs> so Dean, okay. please. So I think I would mention three things related to power as very uh, interesting or foundational. I, I think uh, USB-C, for example, um, enables uh, just, uh, you know, you can get rid of all your power adapters, right, and use the universal power adapter. You could now use a battery pack connected to USB-C to charge your laptop, right? And that's been such a royal pain in the butt here at CES for a long time. Or um, anywhere. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, uh, so I think, you, you know, the augmented reality glasses, the, the glasses can get a lot thinner now. Um, and they can actually be wearable, like uh, very clear. Yeah, does uh, it does the USB design matter? Is going back to your smartphone yeah. or, or a computing puck in your pocket, right? Yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't mean red, but I'm sorry, yeah. Dean, but uh -huh. do, does the look, the visual for uh -huh. the non wearer matter to you? Is that a critical element of it that it looks like you're it wearing? It just has to lighten glasses? up those glasses. They're way too heavy right now, like the Magic Leap uh, is just insanely heavy. Right? So move so. closer to actual glasses, right? Yeah, yeah, much closer. Um, DigiLens is an example of one of those that has that, and Enreal is another uh, augmented reality glasses company that did the same thing with the USB-C wires down to your, your, your phone. Um, and then uh, I think uh, zero mass water out there in the, the central tent uses oh, I love that. solar yeah. energy uh, com combined with air to make water uh, in a panel that is just like a solar panel. Yeah. And it doesn't even have to be collect, uh, connected to electricity, right? It just, mm -hmm. um, and the CEO of the company said he, he can make 600 bottles of water for his family now of four, uh, so they don't have to use any other water in mm -hmm. their house, right? And uh, they're just starting to deploy this on a mass scale, and that's mm -hmm. just amazing. Um, and then um, uh, uh, Matrix Industries uh, is, is making this thing called the Power Watch 2. Uh, uh, that never has to be charged. It's a wearable watch that um, uh, uses body heat power and then solar power. The combination of the two uh, gets enough energy now so that they can actually have a very bright display with real graphics, uh, kind of like an Apple Watch, uh, and you never have to charge it. And I think that, that trend of just, you know, like energy conservation, energy um, uh, harvesting, 
um, uh, is going to be an amazing thing. There's companies like Cypress Semiconductor that are really behind the energy harvesting trend mm -hmm. uh, for devices like the Internet of Things. And so I think that, that will also be very foundational. Right. Uh, uh, somewhat under the heading of resilience, too, right, which is, which is something new to CES. Uh, one of the key themes that I've seen is the idea of artificial intelligence here at CES 2019. And I think each of you touched on it in some way, shape, or form. Uh, open question to the team here. Where is AI right now? And, and the, I want to break that into twos. One, today, right, in terms of adaptability and acceptability. Two, take it as far out in the future as you want. Everyone is leaping to answer that question. I think what's interesting Please, about no. CES is that we're always learning about products, but now it feels, I just, this dawned on me, that they're learning about us more than we're learning about them. Uh, I just I found that fascinating. It's you know currently it's in headphones and they're gonna you know um, you know learn the type of music and how you want to listen to that music and, and the volume and so forth. Uh, that's interesting, but I, I fully expect that to expand into you know a Minority Report type of you know you walk into a room and everything's set to how you want it to be set. Mm -hmm. So we're 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 getting there, and you know it's about those personal preferences that are already set, whether it's on your phone or through uh, you know a tablet. Um, but I, I expect that to be uh, expand to the smart home a lot more. Sure. Um, and I, I think the one area they need to do uh, a lot better on is uh, ease of use. My, my parents are in their 70s, and I tried to set up an Amazon Alexa uh, Echo speaker for them. I set it up through my phone. I wanted to get them into the, uh, you know, transfer it over to them and have their account get on there, mm -hmm. um, and you can't. So I had to delete everything and do it through my parents' phone, which was, right. you know, they don't have as good of a phone as I do. I upgrade every year. So that's the reason I wanted to do it through my phone. But I just found that to be intimidating for them because the setup mm. process is a little more daunting than actually using the device in the end. And I, I think that's one of the key areas is ease of use of these products that these companies can, can get a lot, they make up a lot of ground on. Uh, incidentally, had the same process with my folks who were in their 70s at Christmas time, and they had the same thing. They had a brand new smart speaker, and the setup went well when my brother and I helped them <laughs> along yep. the way. And now they're talking to it more than they talk to each other, which I think is a plus. Dana, please. So this is top of mind just because I was um, leading a panel yesterday on transportation here at CES. But um, I've been thinking a lot about the transfer of data between vehicles and local governments. For everything from yeah. the car knowing how long it's going to take to get to the next green light and keep hitting the green lights. And then meanwhile, there's another startup here that is working on sending trauma information to third first responders when oh, there's an accident. Precisely, right. So I've, I've been thinking a lot about that during the show, the trade of data between the, the private and the public sector, and specifically between transportation companies and local authorities, and thinking of the trade-offs there. Uh, to what extent is it for good, um, and to what extent might it feel intrusive at times? So I've been thinking a lot about all those questions here at the show. I, I had a, I had a Nick, oh, sorry. Please. That's okay. uh, just to follow up on that, I had a chance to, um, when I, I see a demo of the cellular vehicle to everything technology in, in Colorado, which is one of the first uh, cities that's actually adopted that in their infrastructure, and uh, they have this big command center that looks like something out of a out of a movie, uh, and it has a sort of it's it's at the Colorado DOT, er, and uh, uh, I'm sorry, it's in Denver. I, I just I said Colorado, but uh, they have this command center that is very kind of dystopian looking because there's a map with a bunch of dots all over it that represent cars on the road that are communicating back to the DOT with the cellular technology. Um, and they haven't really decided yet whether you'll be able to turn that off when they start introducing this into cars. Uh, and most automakers have kind of indicated 
quietly that they probably won't let you turn it off because it's kind of a safety feature in a way, right? Because mm -hmm. if your car is not talking to other cars, it's kind of like if you were to just switch off the transponder in a plane and try to land, you know? Well, and it diminishes the value of the overall data, right? Absolutely, yeah. So there is a lot, of, a lot to be gained from your car talking to local government, and the DOT can get a lot of great data on that. I mean, they can use the accelerometer in your car to find potholes. I mean, there's all sorts of options opened up, but there is that like privacy concern, too, yeah, that you some, are a dot whether you want to be or not. Right, and some unresolved questions of whose call is that at the end of the day. I, uh, yeah, team, just kind of related to that, uh, I, I saw the uh, demonstrations of the... Uh, in-cabin sensing that's going on in cars now. And so not only are they trying to sort of sense everything going on outside and whether there are pedestrians or hazards or other cars that they have to watch for it with the, all that AI processing in the car going on there, but they're also looking inside the cabin and sensing, you know, how how's the driver? Is the driver drowsy, right? I think that's okay. To, uh, it's a good thing to detect. Um, is the driver distracted? Um, yes, probably a good thing to detect as well. Uh, you know, will you stop the driver from driving if the driver is holding the phone, a phone, right? Um, that's, uh, you know, that's, that's a little uh, command and control top down. Um, and then they're also sensing the emotion of the driver, like Panasonic mentioned this. And that's kind of weirded me out a bit. A bit. <laughs> like it's like, okay, you know, if I'm really in a state of road rage, uh, maybe they do want to stop me from driving, right? Uh, but if I'm just, you know, just kind of, you know, emotional about something, what are they going to do? Are, are they going to report me to my insurance company and say, ah, oh, this this person is not fit to drive? You know, so you know, it, it just really weirds you out when they're detecting things um, inside the car about the state, you know, your state, and the state of your passengers as well. Um, are they going to record this information or are they just simply, you know, going to use it to operate the car, the self-driving car? Right, just more reactive. So um, one more topic for the entire group here, uh, and Dean, you're the one who initially touched on it, but digital health here is advancing so quickly and it's, it, it, it at times you have to look forward at CES because it's B2C and also very much B2B, right, will be the, the end, end receivers on that. What have you seen in the digital health space, or that expands to health and beauty and fitness overall that caught your eye and, and, and really um, has your attention, or at least started you thinking about what's to come? Dana? I think two for me, so there was the Omron wearable um, blood pressure monitor. It's sort of a sure. blood pressure cuff that's built into your, your wrist worn, your wrist watch. So that was interesting to us, and we also saw the D-Free um, bladder monitor um, for maybe the elderly or other people with certain conditions. And we just appreciated the idea of this device helping people um, restore a little bit of dignity to themselves. Um, and maybe if they're using fewer adult diapers, also maybe it's a little more environmentally friendly as well. I think that's an insulator. Yeah, yeah, so that was that was interesting to us as well. Yeah, two good ideas. Any takers? Matt? Please. Yeah, uh, there's one uh, one thing I checked out, and another thing that's similar and even more futuristic that uh, I, I I'm going to check out after this. Uh, first one is Oral B is making an AI toothbrush, uh, so I am going to leave the AI to brush my teeth. Uh, and basically, what it does is instead of counting down to like oh you should have you know all four quadrants with equal time, it'll actually detect 
you know, you are not brushing in this quadrant, you're not brushing in that quadrant, you know, and it'll tell you, hey, you're, you're, you know, this is your dominant quadrant that you're, you're, you're brushing in, you know, and you, you skip, uh, you know, the, the lower level, you know, uh, 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 of, of your teeth. That's uh, really interesting. There's a company that's going to take, his uh, name escapes me, that there's a company that's going to take it to another level and that you almost have uh, dentures that you put in your mouth and you, you squeeze some toothpaste on there and it's supposed to um, brush your teeth in, I think it's 10 seconds. I have questions about that. Namely, I do. Huh. does it take longer to set up than it takes to work? That's true. I, I'm, I'm going to test that out um, and, and hopefully I have clean teeth afterward uh, <laughs> after having lunch. So... I, I just find that to be super fascinating because at, not even in, in the U.S., but other countries where, you know, that, you know, the brushing the, you know, your teeth is, is, is a, a tough task or, you know, it, you know, a de developed countries. That's really where I see this taking off. Um, and it, it's going to be uh, cheap and easy, apparently. Uh, we'll have to test that out because that's part of our jobs. But um, I, I'm really fascinated by, by that in the digital health space because, you know, it's not just you know, uh, smart scales and fitness trackers these days. It's everything. And, and I kind of like, you know, companies that do that, kind of like Nest, that, that explores something that's not, you know, very tech friendly. And they kind of, you know, take that and, and you know, make, make it, uh, give it a tech angle. So I, I really appreciate that about, you know, the show and seeing that stuff. Yeah, interesting. Dean, you were leaning in, sir. Uh, yeah, I was uh, actually using this uh, Valyar uh, imaging um, fall detection technology uh, that's based on radar and radio uh, waves detection. And um, it's a really clever product. Uh, and they say it's non-invasive because it's not a camera, right? It, you just stick it on your wall in a house and I, I put it in the home of my you know 85 year old mother and um, uh, I got in the first 24 hours I got about uh, 12 false alarms right and so it's actually telling us a lot about like how it has to be refined I think right you know so um, they had to they, they first they didn't quite tell me that I had to, I should have put it in the bathroom instead and uh, that it was yeah. going to cover a three meter by three meter radius and and so I thought it was going to actually cover her whole studio apartment right but it it didn't um, and so they actually say they can change the range that they can cover so now they're reducing some of these false alarms uh, that way uh, but they did say that you know most of the falls occur in in a bathroom and so uh, that's the key place you want to uh, uh, cover, but you don't want to put a camera in there because the camera can only cover a certain range as well or whatever it sees. Uh, and who wants a camera in their bathroom, right? <laughs> but th this kind of technology, you know, could be the solution. It just has to be, I think, refined a bit. Mm -hmm. uh, final question for the group as we're running low on time here at the CTA stage. Um, another theme that I've seen again and again this year is that every company is or needs to be a technology company, right? So one at a time, what is the one company exhibiting here or a presence you've seen that's outside the traditional tech sector that surprises you the most? Nick, I'll start with you. Sure. Um, I think one of the biggest surprises for me was actually Harley-Davidson. Because if you think of Harley as a company, they are as old school as it comes, right? That's the entire thing that they sell is their legacy. Uh, and they announced the Livewire uh, here, uh, which is something they've shown for a couple of years now, but they actually announced the 2020 model year for this electric motorcycle is finally coming out in 2019. Um, and I think that, that opened my eyes a lot because, again, going back to every, every company is a technology company, who would have thought that Harley, who is even their traditional motorcycles, use very old technology, 
uh, that they would be leaning into electric motorcycles uh, and not only showing concepts, which anybody can do, but actually releasing one this year that you will be able to buy in 2019. So that was a big, a big shock to me. Excellent. Dana, are you jumping in? Um, yeah, I think the biggest surprise for me was the Impossible Burger. Um, just sure. in that most of the time here at CS, tech is the product. Um, in this case, tech is the means to the end, um, which is also important. It's this lab-grown burger that is super convincing as a meat substitute, but it's not necessarily something you think of as a tech company. And I think in part because we're not used to thinking of tech as the means here. We think of tech as the thing. Yeah. yeah. Did, did you get to sample some of the food? Absolutely. Which it, did you? What did you try? I had a white, white, white castle slider. And? And I wouldn't have known I was eating a veggie burger had yeah. someone not told me. Yeah, that's neat. What uh, do you say, Matt? I would say some of the uh, normal fitness companies, especially this time of year, it's always good to check them out. Mm -hmm. uh, I get my workout right away. <laughs> and there was there there were two companies, Bowflex, which is really interesting. You you expect you know the uh, you know the gym to be uh, devoid of tech a lot of times or have very simple uh, tech to it. When you go to the gym, it has something that, you know, doesn't have a USB, uh, you know, uh, outlet to it. My general approach in the gym is me lift heavy stuff. Yes. Yes. It's yeah. very simple. Um, if it has some lights on there, they blink, they beep, and that's it. Um, but, you know, they're getting more connected these days, and you, you stick a tablet in there, and you can, you know, uh, track your progress. And in the future, they said, uh, I think this is where the real innovation is, uh, compete against friends. So I think that's really interesting. I have a water bottle that tells me, um, you know, I need to drink more water, uh, and I brought it with me to CES because um, I had to compete against my sister, my dad, my <laughs> sister's husband. So that's interesting. The other one uh, in, in that sector is also um, they had a, a uh, there was a boxing demonstration. So they had a, a bag that you are pummeling. Right. And it counts your punches. Yeah. And I'll, I'll say I did a thousand punches, but it, it was probably a lot lower than that. <laughs> it just felt like that. Um, and that was one of the first things I checked out. Uh, I'll, next year, I'll wait till like at the end of the conference because yeah. that tired me out. Yeah. <laughs> Dean? Uh, I liked uh, Procter & Gamble a lot. I right. mean, they were here for the first time in their 182-year history. And mm -hmm. um, they showed five really cool products, like the, the Gillette Heated Razor. Uh, the blemish remover that I mentioned, uh, a skin advisor, the tooth, the smart toothbrush, and uh, you know it reminded me of that uh, Carnival Cruise keynote a couple of years ago. Yes, where, two years ago. You know, they yeah. had the wearable that uh, you could order a drink and uh, somebody would bring it to you because they knew where you were on the ship, right? Um, and um, I like how that you know these existing big companies can use it and sort of bring technology into their existing products and the technology just fades into the woodwork, right? It's still the same kind of product, but just, you know, like a, a smart razor or something, it's just better. Yeah, um, I would just throw one out and it echoes what you said, Dana, that is technology is a means to an end. John Deere, right? uh, iconic American company along the lines of what you were saying, Dean, about Procter & Gamble, been around more than a century, and here they are showing off self-driving vehicle technology and AI-enabled uh, agriculture equipment, right? And we probably won't ever be driving that or riding on it ourselves, but we're going to benefit on that somewhere down the future. Um, we could go for probably three hours, especially since we're all finally sitting down at CES, but I want to thank our entire panel. Dana Woolman is Editor-in-Chief at Engadget, Nick Vokey, Managing Editor at Digital Trends, Matt Swider, senior editor at Tech Radar. Look at the headphones. He has the only pair left, apparently. And Dean Takahashi, who is lead writer at VentureBeat. Thank you all for joining us and enjoy what's left of CES 2019. Thank you.
Thank you. Thank you. Okay, now you still have time to be CES ready, and we're here to help. You can download the CES app. You can build your personal agenda, highlight your favorite exhibitors and speakers. You can also sync in time across all your devices. And new this year, you can connect to your LinkedIn account and see which connections of yours are also in Las Vegas at CES. The show runs through this Friday, January 11th here in Las Vegas. The information you need is at ces.tech. As always, none of this is possible without our podcasting stars, producer Tina Anthony and engineer John Lindsay. You all are the best in the business. Thanks so much for being with us here at CES. I'm Tyler Suters. Let's talk tech again soon.